Welcome to Behind the Cover, a Jenkins Group podcast. This week, we are joined in conversation by Dr. Katherine Kelly, the author of The Healer's Path to Post-COVID Recovery. We will discuss her practice of whole health and the story of her COVID recovery book written not for patients, but the healthcare workers who battled the pandemic on the front lines. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here today. We're really glad to have you. I'm excited to talk about your book. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And you've mentioned in your bios and things that you have a practice of whole health. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? So I was a professor at a medical school, and when I went into private practice, I really emphasized my practice on the whole person approach. And so when I talk about whole health, I'm sure we'll talk about it later as far as my what I call the soul health model, but it's a complete approach to care that includes mind, body, and what I call soul, which is not a religious term for me. It's really just the essence of who we are, and everyone is different. Hmm. So I really try to create an individual approach for every client, but I do national speaking. I do other writing. I do a lot of, (laughs) I probably keep myself too busy, which is why this book was very helpful for me to write for myself as well. (laughs) Well, that's really interesting to be able to be out and speaking to the public as an author. You've written a couple of books now. So did the speaking start with your first book or how did that Work so itself the speaking out. actually started when I was a professor. I mm-hmm. was asked from many institutions to come and talk about different aspects of whole health or holistic health. And it really, when I went into private practice, one of my missions was to create enough time to write more and write more books and speak more. And so really, it all evolved on its own where people started to get to know me and I started to do mostly healthcare organizations or whether it was continuing ed kinds of courses, things like that for healthcare providers. So I've really, most of my speaking has been about really focusing on healthcare providers and helping them either understand health issues from different aspects that they wouldn't have known from their graduate training Mm. and or self-care. You know, self-care has been a big part of what I try to emphasize for healthcare providers, because as I say in this book, you know, they have a protocol for everything but themselves. Healthcare providers are not great at taking care of themselves. And so a lot of times they need a map. And so all of the speaking that I've done has really created a map for them to help others. But really, I sprinkle in ways for them to help themselves as well. Yeah. And so a curiosity point for me here is, you know, in your book, The Healer's Path to Post-COVID Recovery, you do talk about, you know, and you're talking about it now, self-care as a medical professional, as you know, someone who looks at this whole health and soul health, what does that mean when you're talking about it? Well, and I'm going to tell a quick story about this because do, it's yeah. really amazing how this happened. Just before COVID, I had been working with a client who is a physician. She's a family practice physician. She really came because she needed more life balance. And I'd been working with her for about two years. And right before COVID, she confessed to me, she said, you know, I never even heard the word self-care until you asked me during the very first session, what I do for self-care. And she said, I kind of faked it, but I knew what you were asking. Oh, wow. And I was shocked at that moment because I'm thinking, okay, you're a healthcare provider. In my mind, I would think because you teach people and you instruct people to do self-care that you would do it for yourself and you would know what that meant. And so 
When I talk about self-care, I, I do look at it from a little bit different perspective, probably a pretty big different perspective from a lot of people. Because self-care, when we think about it, we think about exercise, we think about nutrition, we think about all those things that our doctor wants us to check off the list and do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But what I talk about is soul care. And what I mean by that is every one of us, there's something different about what every one of us needs. You know, for me, I'm an exerciser. I've always been an exerciser. But for certain people, that's not their thing. So the soul part of you is really, to me, the essence of who you are and knowing yourself enough to know what you need and what you don't need. Because everybody's, I call it a recipe, everybody's recipe for self-care is going to be different. And so for me, it goes deeper than the basics of eating well, getting exercise. It's really, okay, what feeds your soul? What is it that is going to restore you after you've had a tough day or after you've had a tough week or month or three and a half year pandemic <laughs> situation? So this is why I say that healthcare providers have a protocol for everything but themselves because they have not been taught to understand their own needs and it's just, again, it's a very important part of my mission is to help the public. You know, I do a lot of therapy work still, but help the public, specifically healthcare providers with this book, really understand what soul care is. And it goes beyond just the basic, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, check things off the list. It's, you know, what is going to restore you? What is it that really feeds you in a way that, you know, is going to help you get to that next day in an even better way? Well, that's a really great way to look at it. And so kind of expanding on that a little in the book, as it mentions in the title, this is the healer's path to post-COVID recovery. And someone glancing at the title until they pick it up might not quite realize that this is for healthcare workers who worked through the pandemic. And, you know, I think we all remember the stories at the time, you know, in the UK, they had the seven o'clock people coming out on the street and banging on pots and pans to show appreciation. You right. know, I know in our area, people pitched in and bought meals for different department staffs often, but hopefully many of us realize now, you know, those little gestures, well, fine, don't make up for some of the brutal, hard conditions that a lot of these healthcare workers were working in. So what inspired you to write this book from that perspective? I know it definitely struck a chord as being very unique to myself and some of the people on my team, you know, oh, interesting. We didn't even think about this as a book. And it's certainly already, you know, a book out already being able to kind of offer that guidance and help. So what inspired you and how did you approach it to put it together to really be speaking to these people who have gone through this experience? And the subtitle of the book is A Restorative Journey for Healthcare Providers. And it's really about teaching individuals how to restore themselves. So that was really my mission. And I have a book colleague that I've worked with for several years and several projects. And I mentioned to her at the beginning of 2021, and I said it this way, I said, at some point, I need to use my soul health model, which is, again, is a holistic health model that kind of gives what I call the blueprints to rebalancing a person's life, or I use the word aligning a person's life. But I said to her, you know, at some point, I probably need to write a book to help healthcare providers using this model. And she jumped all over it. She said, yes, you need to do this. Oh, great. <laughs> and, yeah. And I knew it was a good idea. What was challenging for me, I really emphasized the need for at some point, because by January of 2021, I was exhausted and worn out just like all the other healthcare providers, because as a therapist, you know, I already had a vibrant practice. But when COVID hit, we had so many more 
patients coming and trying to find support and trying to find, okay, my marriage is now falling apart in the middle of this pandemic, or, you know, I'm in an abusive situation and it's getting worse because I'm spending time with these people, you know, even more, or wow, my spouse is a healthcare provider and he or she is so exhausted and irritable and angry at the end of the day that I don't know how to cope or, you know, there were all these things that we were hearing. But I was exhausted and burned out too. And so it was really interesting for me because when I mentioned this to my book colleague and I said, yeah, I think I need to do this at some point, she jumped on it. I, for about three weeks, I put it off to the side because I'm thinking, how am I going to find the energy myself as a healthcare worker in order to write this book, which I know would be helpful, Yeah, (laughs) but What was really interesting is after about three weeks, I started getting in touch with a lot of my colleagues from the past, from my postdoc years, from my graduate training, from colleagues that I'd worked with for the last 20 whatever years, 24 years, and started to ask them, hey, do you mind if I interview you for this book? And I ended up having about 150 interviews with healthcare providers from all over the country and actually parts of Canada as well. And you're absolutely right. What the public doesn't understand is, you know, we saw some of it in the news. They don't understand what healthcare providers really went through. They don't understand that they were in terror, too. They had no idea what to do. And that was one of the first things that I heard from almost all of the 150 healthcare providers is that for the first time, we had no research to fall back on. We had no textbook. We Mm -hmm. had nothing to fall back on. And so they were all shooting in the dark trying to figure out how do we save these lives? How do we help these people? They realized that they were making mistakes along the way because nobody knew what to do. So that survivor's guilt or that guilt of thinking, oh, gosh, I'm an expert. I should know what I'm doing. Then you had the colleagues that and this was really kind of amazing to hear, too. You had the colleagues that were doing everything possible to help these patients. And you had the others that wouldn't go anywhere near them because they didn't want to touch them. They they didn't want to get COVID themselves. Mm -hmm. So then there was all these teams that were breaking apart, these medical teams that were breaking apart because some of the healthcare providers were so terrorized that they didn't want to be part of the healthcare. You know, I had many, many, many situations where they felt like the administrators of the hospitals were not supportive of them. There was one, I had a thoracic surgeon that I interviewed at one point. It was a wonderful conversation with him because he was just so forthright with what he was saying. But he said, you know, one day we walk in and we have all the PPE available that we need. The next day, it's literally locked down and gone and we can't access it. And they said that the administrators had decided that they would basically issue one set of PPE for the day for all of their patients. Oh, wow. Like these administrators were so afraid of not getting supplies that they were basically telling them to use the same PPE for each patient because they didn't think that their supplies would last. Sorry to pause you in the story here, but I just wanted to interrupt this for a second to really underline for people, because I think especially, as you mentioned, three and a half years later, lots of water under the bridge at this point and knowing how not just news cycles go, but kind of where people are at. I think it's so interesting now, even thinking about your book in the context of this, of you have doctors who are used to having all the, not all the answers, but at least solid answers that might just continue evolving. And now they have nothing. You have a state of unknown about the supplies and the safety procedures that they're operating under when they're used to going into a room, having new gloves to put on, new masks to put on if they need to. Now it's required, basically. 
And now you're also adding to that their own personal risk assessments, as well as just the demand on them. And I point that out in one succinct list here, because I think to your point, we all kind of heard little bits and pieces here and there, right? This hospital had so many deaths that they ran out of body bags. Some people don't have their masks and are reusing them. And you heard little bits and pieces of all of this, but for you to sit down and talk to 150 health professionals while being a health professional during all of this yourself. Yes, yes. How, you know, I guess I'm kind of curious for you to, sorry to pause, but how did that feel to you? Did that make you feel a lot more overwhelmed? Did you feel like by telling the stories you were maybe helping yourself a little? Like that just seems like an interesting position to be in. Well, and I appreciate the question very much. And I say this in the book because I was a little surprised by my response because I actually got strangely energized that the more people that I interviewed, the more I knew I could help. Oh, that's good, though. Yeah. And it kind of resuscitated me to know that I had a mission, that I knew I had a focus. And so that is one of the things. And that's part of the research of burnout is as long as you have like a goal or a mission and you know that you can like help people, you don't get burned out. And so in an odd way, listening to their desperation in feeling completely helpless in these situations helped me know, okay, wait a minute, I have a roadmap that I can give these folks once the pandemic has kind of settled a little bit for them to rebuild their lives. And so it actually was oddly and strangely energizing for me. And I ended up writing this book in three and a half months. Oh, wow. Because it was one of those things where the soul health model that's in this book is it's my baby. I, I live and breathe and teach this thing every day. So that was not something I had to really construct how I would write. What it was, was how do I apply this to healthcare, this specific population? But listening to 150 stories, <laughs> it was actually quite easy because I could apply the information in a very hands-on, very user-friendly, very like real perspective to a point where I knew that would relate to healthcare providers in general. And the other thing I want to emphasize in this, though, and I said this to my book colleague the very first day I talked to her, you know, this is what happens with post-traumatic stress is people don't want to deal with it for quite a while until the dust settles. So many of the healthcare providers that are walking around acting like everything's just normal and everything's, you know, basically all hunky-dory and fine now, they are still wounded. And with post-traumatic stress, it can take decades before someone is ready to really talk about it. You know, Mm -hmm. that's why we have, even in the Me Too movement, we've got all these women that are coming out 20, 30 years later talking about sexual assault or sexual abuse. It's because they weren't ready before. They didn't have the resources. It's going to be the exact same thing with these healthcare providers because, again, they're so busy helping everybody else that it gives them a role. But once things start to unfold and once they start to realize how much the pandemic changed them, changed their scope of practice or their ability to practice. I know, for instance, one of the things that has also changed significantly is basically the mindset or the respect for how administrators interact with the employees. Mm. So there, there has been this mass exodus of Healthcare providers, not because they don't want to do what they were taught to do, but because now they either no longer feel respected or they no longer feel taken care of, but they feel like now they are definitely just a number among a million employees. It's just really sad because 
you know, some healthcare centers did a wonderful job, but the vast majority of them made some major mistakes with how they supported their employees. So this rebuilding a restorative process is going to go on for decades. And that's why my mission is not ending with the publication of this book. <laughs> so that's an interesting point, too. And I think this ties into what you're saying about the book being the start, not the end, but also you being in private practice or, you know, still taking patients, at least, you know, are you seeing some of that still? And you mentioned three and a half years of a pandemic. And I think for some of the public at this point, we still talk about it a little bit. Occasionally you see, you know, somebody will talk about the numbers rise and you'll see people wearing masks in public. Some people very right. in some places. So for some people, I think the conversation feels like COVID is over. Right. And to your point, it's not. It's still people are still getting cases. They're still, you know, it's still out there. But also this post-traumatic stress, this kind of like things are maybe slowing down enough. So now there's this whole secondary wave of people who worked in it that are now facing it, whether that was later 2021, throughout the last year into this year. It's a whole ripple effect off of it. So are you seeing some of that? And kind of where is that taking you right now? Yeah, I am seeing some of it. Actually, I've had a few of the people that I interviewed circle back and update me. Oh, and, that's nice. Yeah. And it was actually beautiful in many ways because I reconnected with many of my colleagues from all the way back to graduate school. So that has been really another gift out of this for me in many ways. But I've had healthcare providers come back and say, oh my gosh, this saved my life. Oh, I've wow. Had, yeah, I had one in particular, which was a little shocking to me, pretty high up in the medical world, come back later and said, you know, I don't know that I would be here had I not had these conversations with you and had I not learned about your soul health model. He said, I didn't know where to start. He said, I really don't know if I was would have been here. So that showed me a huge, you know, again, that, that in itself, in wow. some ways was enough for me to say, okay, it was worth writing this book. But, you know, I've had other healthcare providers contact, well, and I may well say this, this was kind of amazing. 10 days before I launched the book, it was already published and we we're getting ready to launch it. I was contacted by a healthcare center here, treatment center, actually in North Carolina, and it specializes in alcohol and drug abuse. And she said, we need your help. Our employees have just fallen apart. Our morale is down. We need your help. I know you're writing this book. You know what we need to do. So one of the beautiful things that's happening is that I get to kind of use all of this information and go into healthcare environments and help them rebuild. And you know, really work hand in hand with their administrators and say, okay, this is what the real stuff is. This is what they're probably never going to share with you. These are the things that, you know, <laughs> your employees will never share with you, but this is what needs to be mended. This is, this is where you need to put your support. So I'm seeing it not only in individual clients, but in fact, I just had a psychiatrist referred to me just last week who is really still dealing with a lot of the fallout oh. after recovering or being in this whole COVID situation. So this is going to be going on for years. One of the things that I have to say that I'm kind of holding out and waiting for is, and I don't, I'm hoping someone is doing the research on this. I really want to know what the divorce rates are. I think that there are, are going to be many more divorces because of the pandemic, particularly within the healthcare environment. So I don't know if any research is being done to isolate that. But I think that was one of the top things I heard was how much this impacted relationships, how much this impacted, you know, if you're a healthcare provider and your spouse is not, 
it created a major rift. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Both of you were healthcare providers. You tended to understand each other more. Yeah, that shared uh, experience in a situation like that is pretty hard to get yeah. to through just empathy if you're not part of it. Exactly. You know, I had I interviewed a couple that they were both nurses, and one of them ended up having a major affair right in the middle, and they ended up getting divorced. Oh. And he was a traveling nurse, so you know, I think he was looking for some support. He found it, and she was home with the kids, and you know, it was just so. There's going to be some. I don't want to call it trickle down, but there's going to be some waves and domino effects of things that happen, or I don't want to say happen that they might happen, but they are probably going to be revealed in the years to come that really either initiated during COVID time or really have kind of exacerbated what was already there. So I, I just, I don't think we're going to have the information for a while. And frankly, the other thing is people don't want to talk about COVID anymore. Right. <laughs> so you know, I just, I, I have very good close friends with a hospital administrator and I spoke with her yesterday and she said, oh, by the way, COVID is coming, that's spiking again. She said, we're seeing the numbers coming up in the hospital already. And so, you know, I do think that, you know, people don't want to talk about it, but it's still a reality. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that that's a really interesting perspective to come through on too, because someone could file for divorce a week from now. And is it directly because of COVID no, but, you know, are those cracks, were they shown, yes. like you said, or not knowing where to start healing from that? So that's a very excellent point, as well as we see these waves continue in the long term. We don't know what the long term health effects are for people who got COVID and, you know, right. thankfully lived. But, you know, I know people dealing with long COVID and some other issues from that. We don't know what happens if you get it multiple times. So all of that, to your point about both personal health and relationships, you know, does seem to signal for the people who are keyed in like yourself and other, probably many other healthcare workers, if not the general public, not really seeing it, that right. this has got done, basically. it's it, There's going to be a lot of effects. So do you see that as something that, you know, another book, do you see this as something that maybe you'll end up touring again, for lack of a better term, going and doing some speaking engagements? How do you see this all kind of Usually I ask guests what's next as in, you know, next book or something. But I yeah. think I would say this is a two part what's next. What's next in general that you want to do? But also what do you see as next as part of this kind of unique information and system that you've created? So I don't think helping healthcare providers will ever be done for me because it's just a special place in my heart anyway. I'm actually speaking at a conference this fall for women's leadership in healthcare basically doing a seminar on women in leadership in healthcare and how they can rebuild and rebalance not only their own lives, but how they can help rebuild their staff. So that's coming. I really think some of the consulting is going to continue. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to kind of look back and reflect and help just what you said is like help healthcare providers understand that, you know, there's this domino effect that they may not initially link to COVID, but that, you know, this is going to be part of it. I just think that there's, like you said, and I love the fact that you used the word cracks because I, that's, that's it. I think that they're going to feel like there are some fissures and fragments and cracks that they need to have fixed and they really don't know where to start. Now, I do want to say this and then I'm going to kind of go on with the whole idea of what's next personally. <laughs> 
I want to say this because this was a very key part of this that I think is exacerbating the situation. Many, many, many of the 150 healthcare providers that I talked to said that they would not go get psychological help because of two reasons, one of which is they knew a lot of the practitioners around and they didn't really feel like they had anybody they could go to. That was one reason. Another one is most healthcare practitioners have to report if they've gone for mental health services. And many of them are afraid that their licenses would be in jeopardy. Oh, I don't think a lot of us lay people realize that that's a requirement. What an interesting... On their licensure renewals, they have to answer whether or not they've been treated for mental health concerns. Do you see that? A quick question, just a crystal ball. I'm not asking you as thinking you have a lobbying power or anything like that. Do you think that that's something that you might see change in the coming years as everybody is dealing with this COVID fallout? So I would hope so. There is a way around it that a lot of people have found. And basically the way around it is they pay out of pocket for services if they're willing to go. Oh. You know, because then it's not reported to insurance. And so, you know, there are many healthcare providers who I see and they pay out of pocket, particularly for that reason. Are they suicidal? No. Are they homicidal? No. Are they, you know, severely depressed to the point that they can't function? No. But if they have any, you know, link to basically someone saying, hey, you know, I have to report this, many of them won't do it. And so they won't even seek care. The other part of it is, and this is really sad, is that, you know, a lot of healthcare providers are shown and told that you have to have your act together and you can't show any vulnerability. Mm. So I think a lot of this is they are what I call warehousing. They're warehousing a lot of the emotion that went on. That's what kind of all they know or all they knew. And so oftentimes it will come out later in one way or another, whether it's a health problem themselves or through marital issues or whatever it might be. So, you know, this is not over and whether people can directly connect it to the COVID period, I don't think, you know, unless you think in those ways, they may not do that. So I think this is a long, long, long term kind of thing. Now, personally, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm actually getting ready to launch another series of books called The Soul of Psychology. Oh, interesting. Each one of these will be really focusing on what I call the soul side of mental health issues. Anxiety is going to be the first book. Depression will be the next book. And really, you know, helping people understand that there's a whole different level from a holistic health perspective that most medical practitioners are not taught. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a whole other wave. In addition to doing videos, you know, I've got this whole video series I'm planning to put out for not only healthcare providers and the healer's path, but also, you know, about some of the soul of psychology topics and things like that. So my work is never done. So (laughs) I have a lot up my sleeve, but I also feel like there's a lot I'm supposed to help the world to heal. Well, and I I was just going to say their work is never done. And I think there's a lot of people who are grateful for that. Well, I think it takes a village and I'm very happy to be finding lots of colleagues that are interested in integrating a lot of their own mind, body, soul kind of work into their practices. And that's part of, too, I'm actually launching certification programs next year for helping healthcare providers really understand this from a more whole health perspective. And that's been beautiful. It's been really fun to create these programs. Well, Catherine, we are super excited for what you have next. Very grateful for what you've put out there already. And hopefully we'll be able to give you another check-in here when 
you get that next series started. We'd love to talk to you some more in the future. That would be great. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you too. And have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Behind the Cover. Behind the Cover is sponsored by New Leonard Media, your guide to all your video, audiobook, and podcast needs. Visit newleonard.com for more information. Find out more about the show and our guests at behindthecoverpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Bye for now.